Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and this episode is Q&A number 61. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks as usual to our sponsors. First, we have Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. If you are, like me, located in the Northern Hemisphere, and I am right now actually spending three months back in Finland... So I will definitely not see the road from the top of my bike until the very end of January when I go back to Lisbon. Indoor training is the name of the game now and I am a very heavy sweater and a very salty sweater as well. This means that I do need to think about how I can retain performance, especially in long and hard workouts. And for me, precision hydration is very important because I otherwise will lose too much electrolytes in my sweat and i do notice a decline in performance when i when i do not make sure that in addition to the fluid losses i also think about my electrolyte losses the way that i have made sure that i can um, i can retain the performance is that i took precision hydration's free online sweat test it is on their website under the tab free hydration plan so you can go and check that out. It's, it's a simple quiz consisting of qualitative questions that you can answer on the fly. It takes a few minutes and that gives you all the information that you need to get a, a good ballpark estimate for how much sodium and electrolytes you lose in your sweat and need to replace importantly in your races, but also potentially in training like for myself. So check that out. And if you want to try your first box or tube of electrolytes for free, Use the promo code DATTRAFLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, on precisionhydration.com. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. That's R-O-K-A dot com. Roka has obviously had a pretty quick rise to the top and being a leader in the equipment manufacturing industry in triathlon. And the reason for that is simply that the quality is absolutely outstanding, uh, but also the innovations that they have in their products. And examples of this includes the arms up technology in their wetsuits and their tri-suits that gives you maximal mobility when you're swimming in your tri-suit and wetsuit to and minimal restriction of movement that you might find with uh, some other wetsuits and tri-suits. Uh, another example is uh, the R1 goggles, which uh, has an angled lens, which means that you can lift your head ever so slightly less when you're sighting and still be able to view what's in front of you and uh, and uh, see that buoy that you're navigating towards. And it sounds like a very, very small change, but it actually make, can make a big difference in terms of the momentum preservation in swimming. And given that every time you decelerate, you also need to apply a much greater force to accelerate up to speed again and we're sighting very frequently in triathlon over time over the course of an entire swim in a race that can make a significant contribution to your uh, swim time and that is a reason that the r1 goggles are so fantastic and i really really love my r1 goggles so check out their Rollcast products and you can get 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps on Roka.com. Now on to today's questions. First, we have a question from Karen in Portland, Oregon. Karen writes, hello, Michael. First of all, thank you so much for your amazing podcast. You have done a fantastic job of providing evidence-based training and racing advice over the past several years. 
I was a complete beginner to triathlon as of about one year ago when I started listening to your podcast and training for my first Olympic distance race. Since then I began began training in earnest and eventually followed your intermediate Olympic training plan. This spring and summer I completed four races placing second and third in my age group and in each one and having a fantastic time with it all. My question relates to scheduled workouts and my irregular work schedule. I work as a physician part-time, which means I generally work one week in four in stretches of six to seven days in a row, with the rest of the days of the month nearly free of work responsibilities. This means I can train as much as my body allows three weeks out of four, but on my own weeks, work keeps me at the hospital often up to 15 hours a day, meaning I tend to be generally exhausted and find fitting in training very difficult. In the summer, I try to commute to work by bike, but this is only a 15-mile round trip, and in the winter, spring, and fall months, the darkness makes this unsafe. I try to make sure the work weeks coincide with a rest and recovery week when following the training plan, but last year, I would often completely miss most of the workout for that week. I know how much you emphasize the importance of consistency in training and realize this pattern is obviously suboptimal. Am I doomed to be limited in my chances for continued improvement? Do you have any specific recommendations for this scenario? All right, Karen, thank you so much for your question. Uh, So first things first, I think that uh, for you with the work schedule that you have, uh, following a set training plan and even though i'm very happy that you're using my plan but but i would say that that's it's not ideal to be honest uh, because you have time to train more in the three weeks that you are completely off work but then the the week that you are on work really needs to be adjusted very much and and you need to adjust your expectations as well we'll talk about that in a little bit of what you can and should do in that week even though i definitely recommend trying to keep a little bit of training and consistency in the, the work week as well but with regard to the uh, the, the three weeks that you're off work and have plenty of time to train i would go back and listen to last week's q a episode that was q a number 60 on training considerations for time rich athletes because during those three weeks out of four you are a time rich athlete so you can use that information to maximize your training effectiveness for those periods and with regard to the weeks that you are at work at the hospital there's no way around the fact that with 15 hour days plus a commute there's only so little rather than so much that you can do and your first order of priority and i want to make this very very clear it is to get sufficient sleep even if that means missing every single intentional workout that you have may have had for for that day but sleep should be the number one priority and you need to set your expectations for what training you'll you will be doing during that week at a really low level and set yourself up for success rather than failure by not having too high expectations. And I actually, funnily enough, I coached somebody in a very similar situation to you in that she will have very long days for one week uh, every month or two. And uh, she also works in a similar situation and similar geographic location as you do, funnily enough. But our expectations are simply to try to get in 45 minutes of training per day, generally low intensity or low-ish intensity, and to always prioritize sleep. And uh, usually it actually ends up being possible to do those 45 minutes for her. She might have slightly 
slightly shorter work days and a slightly shorter commute so uh, so it's not in the exact similar situation to yours but very similar but uh, recommendations for you and your current scenario i would probably start by just setting your expectations at trying to do 30 minutes of exercise every day or almost every day when you're in that heavy work week but reverse engineer how to get in these 30 minutes from the constraint that is imposed by sleep, knowing that that is a non-negotiable, you won't compromise on that. And using your commute, as you suggest, that's a great example of how to get in that 30 minutes in a time-efficient manner. And uh, in terms of the bike during summer, if possible, I would say extend that commute a little bit so that when you're on the bike, you get in 30 minutes in the morning, and then afterwards, you can go straight home. So it ends up being quite a bit shorter, probably. In the morning, if you do feel good, you might actually even work in a few bouts of intensity, at least one day per week when you are in this heavy work week, uh, so uh, so that you don't completely lose touch, lose touch with intensity during this week of work. And as for running, uh, perhaps you can do something similar to what I used to do Back in Helsinki a few years ago, I used to run, uh, depending on how long a run I planned, it might be a one-hour run or it might be a one-hour 15-minute run or a 45-minute run, but I used to run for quite a while and then stop at the bus stop and take the bus the remaining part of the way to work. And you could run for 30 minutes and then take the bus the rest of the way, or if you are in a hurry and you and the public transport isn't very good or frequent, maybe even take an Uber and uh, see that as an investment in maintaining your fitness and consistency. And then either on the way home, you either do the same, so you could do run part way and, uh, and then take an Uber or a bus or even carpool with somebody, or you can simply just uh, do that the entire way. So carpool with somebody or take public transport, you have done your, your work in the morning, so, so you're already good to go. Similarly to the bike, if you can insert some bouts of intensity one day per week during this run, then that would be great to keep in touch with some intensity and maximize how much of your fitness you can maintain during this week. I make the assumption here that your lunch break is pretty much non-existent, but if you actually happen to have a lunch break, then that's another opportunity to get in your daily dose of exercise, remembering that the bar is set low, so getting in 30 minutes and uh, 30 minutes a day is plenty and you should be very happy with that during summer when biking is easy i would recommend that you alternate days of bike commuting and run commuting and during winter uh, you can either possibly invest in great equipment like having an mtb bike or a cross bike or a fat bike and having plenty of lights and reflective gear and keep doing that commute on the bike and the run on alternating days or if uh, biking really is an impossibility simply choose the run commuting option every day so you will lose out on on biking but you will at least get aerobic training in every day uh, through the run in terms of the swim perhaps you can get in five to ten minutes of daily stretch cord exercises at home so get the finis stretch cords the light or medium resistance not the high resistance ones either in the morning or the evening and uh, another thing you can do and this is no joke i would recommend doing five to ten minutes of swim technique visualization every night before going to bed as well because you won't be in the pool for a week you will only be doing five to ten minutes of stretch cords 
that visualization can actually go some ways to help you maintain uh, or compensate for the loss of fitness by actually strengthening some of the motor patterns that uh, that you might need to work on. So watch some great swim technique footage on YouTube, for example, for a couple of minutes and then actively visualize yourself doing the same before going to bed. So in total, maybe each day ends up looking like doing five to 10 minutes of stretch cords in the morning, then a 30 minute bike or run commute to work, possibly with some intensity a couple of times per week. And then in the evening, you do a five minute swim visualization. And if you do that, then that's a fantastic day of maintaining your fitness. So what you should not do during this week is to worry about missing workouts. If you are following my plan, for example, do not worry about missing the specific workouts or following the plan uh, as it's laid out. You should, as you say, try to reshuffle the weeks so that your recovery weeks in the plan end up coinciding with this hard week at work. But don't worry about the workouts that you're missing from the plan. Just do your best to maintaining fitness as I have described here in this answer and then jump right back into the plan uh, from the next week once the week is over. Uh, So you're not doomed at all. And I think in fact that once you really learn to optimize your weeks off work, uh, off work, and that is the three week period where you are not doing uh, doing work and learn to maximize the maintenance without sacrificing sleep as we've talked about in detail here then you actually have the potential to see massive improvements since those three weeks off work would allow you so much great opportunity to train again go back and listen to last week's episode uh, the q a number 60 and uh, and get some inspiration from that and information about how to use that time for training very effectively so there's definitely a lot of positives you can take away and i really hope that this helps and good luck with your continued training and racing the next question is from petri in finland who writes after a very easy off season of almost two months i am now getting back to work with training again during this time uh, during the two months i have trained i have done gym work but it's just been uh, but i've just been training in shorter sessions and with lighter efforts Thank you for the very good tips in previous episodes regarding what to do from here in the base training phase. My question concerns the level of performance I found myself in after this easier break of training. My FTP has fallen with about 25 watts based on a ramp test from July, so that's about a 7% drop. How normal is such a big drop in performance and how fast should I be expecting to get back to the level Uh, with normal training that got me there in the first place thanks for the help love the podcast well petri you are a lucky man i would say because for two months of very light training uh, 25 watts uh, of a decrease in ftp is nothing at all in my opinion it's definitely not a heavy uh, drop or a big decrease in in performance so i would say to answer your question actually that uh, it is uh, not normal to have such a small drop in performance given that it is two months of very light training that you've been doing. And uh, given that based on your numbers, it seems like your FTP was in the in somewhere in the 350s, so 350-something watts, uh, and then dropped 25 watts, I would have expected a much bigger drop from doing two months of, of very light training. 
And I suspect as well, based on that, based on the fact that you didn't drop a lot, that you should get it back quickly once you're back in your normal training routine, probably within a month or maybe two at most. As some general guidelines, so this is not specifically for your situation, but as for the listeners in general, I think a 10% drop in performance as measured by an FTP test, for example, is uh, normal and completely acceptable during the off-season. And that would look like, for example, going from 300 watts to 270 watts. But that is based on uh, what I would uh, usually prescribe in terms of the season break, which is a two to three week season break, where maybe we do one week as completely off and then one or two weeks of uh, maybe some light training, ideally some some alternative training so not swim bike run but it could be hiking it could be uh, skiing it could be some team sports or tennis or other racket sports that sort of thing so uh, so with that i would expect that uh, up to a 10 percent drop is is normal and completely okay i generally don't want it to drop that much more than 10 percent i think that that ends up being a bit too much but uh, again this is just a guideline in some cases, for athletes in particular that have had very long seasons with lots of races, uh, it is necessary to have a bigger decrease in fitness because they simply need more recovery. So they might have a four-week off-season and then they end up dropping more. And And I would always prioritize getting fully recovered first, even if that means that we lose a bit more fitness than quote-unquote ideal. Because at the end of the day, there isn't a generic ideal there is only an individual ideal and even that is difficult to find but that's what uh, why there is coaching and why there, it is important that the the coach and the athlete ends up getting to know each other so well the time course to get back to fitness really varies a lot it is very individual but it also depends a lot on the training volume and the training level of the athlete so a very experienced and fit athlete training at a high training volume they can get back to a very good level of fitness very quickly Uh, obviously they're not going to be at absolute peak fitness right away in most cases that's not the idea but they can get fairly quickly to 97 or 98 percent of peak fitness if that is what their objective is somebody that is training at a lower volume uh, will take longer to build back to the level that they were but this is also a reason why athletes training at a low volume generally i recommend take a shorter season break so their season break might be uh, capped at two weeks where only one week is off training and then the other week we definitely make sure that we do some alternative cross training to keep up that aerobic stimulus and, and not lose too much so they might not so they probably in general lose less than 10 percent. they might end up losing something like the seven percent that uh, that you mentioned and uh, that then ends up compensating for the fact that it will take them slightly longer to uh, to build back up to where they were so i think that this already answers your question but one final point to keep in mind as we did discuss in the base training episode that you mentioned and which i'll link to by the way in the episode description it's episode 201 uh, it's not a problem to not be in peak fitness in january you're you're not aiming to be in peak fitness in january look at your racing calendar where are your races and since you are in finland i know that your peak fitness is going to be june to to august probably you might be doing ironman barcelona or something and have a longer racing season that uh, lasts all the way until october 
but most likely the bulk of your racing season it doesn't really start until until june at earliest so so don't stress the drop in ftp don't rush the training process and don't forget about the big picture of your season planning just because you want to get your ftp back to where it where it was as soon as possible that's actually a recipe for training mistakes that may lead you to not having the results that you want when it actually matters in your races during summer so i hope that this helps petri and thank you for your question and that's it for this week's q a keep sending in your questions to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and that's michael with a k and if you enjoy the type of information that you are getting from this podcast, uh, check out scientifictriathlon.com. That's where you can find out more about the training plans, customized and uh, ready-made, as well as the individual coaching that we offer and the other products and services. If you want to learn more, just check out scientifictriathlon.com. Big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. You can get a free hydration plan, including how an estimate for how much uh, sodium you lose in your sweat on their website precisionhydration.com and you can get your first box or tube of electrolyte product for free with the promo code that triathlon show all one word all caps and thank you to roca for sponsoring the podcast check out their wetsuits dry suits swim skins goggles and high performance eyewear and get 20 percent off your entire order with the promo code tts all caps Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.